Um, but that, that's the aim. God is good, isn't he? You, you know, God, God is really good. And, and, and uh, you, you know, that, that sense coming through um, that kind of worship that God really loves us. God is really, uh, uh, you know, wanting to remind us of that fact this morning. And, and what God's laid on, on my heart to, to, to take us through these next couple of days is really looking at the whole thing that Jesus, um, uh, you know, he, he had much authority, didn't he? In fact, he had all authority, the Bible tells us. We're going to look at that. And not only does he have all authority, but then he says, because it's being given to me, I want you to go, and I want you to go and do things um, because of the authority that, 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 that I have. And, and so Jesus kind of, he, he has this authority, imparts this authority, he, he allows us that authority, and off we go. But so often as Christians, we live our lives almost like we're living on scraps from the table, don't we? Yeah? Don't we spend our lives like you know, hoping that God will get us through this and we'll be okay through that? And I don't know if you know your life's anything like mine. You know, I mean, we thought kids would grow up and all of a sudden life would get easier, and kids have grown up, and all of a sudden we've now got adult children, and life is far from easy with them. You know, now we've got grandchildren involved and and everything, and you think, oh my word, you know, it's just like life gets busier and the challenges just get multiplied. Because actually, not only is your heart breaking for your own situation, now you're seeing the situation of others sometimes, and your heart is breaking there as well, isn't it? You know, and you've got all of that going on, and you're going, well, okay, where are you? Because, Lord, it talks about all authority, and I, I'm sometimes trying to find you, God, in, in, this, in the midst of all that's going on, and yet Scripture has this very big view of God and encourages you and I to have this very big view of God. And so my hope over these next couple of days is actually we can improve our view of God, our understanding of just how big this God is and understand that this is the God that's on your side. This is the God who anoints you and appoints you to go into all the earth. And we're going to do that from uh, looking uh, from a couple of stories from the book of Luke. Um, so if you'd like to turn to uh, Luke um, uh, chapter 7, um, and we're going we're to uh, just, just read uh, some very familiar stories to some of you, uh, I, I'm sure. And uh, we're, we're going to just read a few verses this morning. Um, we're we're going we're gonna to bounce around Scripture quite a lot this morning. Um, I, I like to do that because, because actually I, I really believe that you know, if we're going to make any statement, it ought to be based on truth. Um, you know, and not just our own thoughts and our own feelings. We went through a very difficult time. Um, uh, we, um, uh, we, we, we weren't expecting, uh, uh, to, 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 so we had four children. Um, they were growing up. We moved to, to where we were. And, but we were in that phase where we were beginning to think about life. Um, uh, and, and uh, you, you know, you begin to get to that stage where you think, okay, kids are going to grow up. House might be a bit quieter. That never happened. Um, but, but, you know, but, but you start to think, uh, what does the future look like? Uh, and, then, and, and then Pam, she fell pregnant. And, uh, and I was actually speaking on vision. Um, I was taking the church through vision. And we, had, we already had a vision for our lives. And, and all of a sudden, Pam falls pregnant and, and the vision changes. And because and, you're going, oh, my word, we, we've got this child coming now. And, and, and actually, we thought we were done with this and, and all of that. And, and so it took us a little while to kind of wrestle through that and walk through that. And, 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 you know, and, and because I was taking the church through vision, actually, it was quite pertinent. So we're saying, actually, sometimes your vision changes for life. Sometimes it does. Sometimes God brings something into your life and, or something happens and you go, oh, my word. And so, so here we were now going in a totally different direction. And then she lost the child. And uh, that happened at home. And, and, and all of a sudden you, you, you're, you're, you're looking at, at uh, you know, the, the new vision that you thought God had given you uh, and you're holding it in the palm of your hands and, 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 and it's died. 
and then, uh, 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 and then it buried, and then you go back to the old vision, <laughs> and you think, what's that all about, God? What what, what is that? And, and 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 we walk through that for a little. Uh, you, 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 do we go through? And, and don't get me wrong, you know. But please understand, you know, grief isn't something you just get over. You know, you know, actually, actually it's a pro, and it's not even a process because that implies there's an end. Actually, it's something you learn to live with, and, and it's something you learn to walk with, and, and and you journey through. But 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 you know, with Jesus in the midst of it, it's it's it. it, it I don't know how people do it without him. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, I mean, how do you do life without Jesus? You know, and, and we're in the midst of that. And we suddenly realized, we're like, hang on, God. How, why does this happen to us? You know, all, all those kind of things come in. Well, why us? Why did that happen to us? Why do you even allow that to happen? Why does that... And you start to ask those questions. You've ever asked those questions of God? God, but why me? Why us? Well, why, why are you allowing that to happen in my life? Why, well, why is this person sick? Why is that unwell? Why are my finances aren't quite as good as the next person's? You know, and, and how does that, is that work? And why is it that the rain pours on the righteous and the unrighteous? That doesn't seem fair, God, because I'm your child. Have you ever had those sorts of thoughts and conversations with God? Yeah, okay, it's not just me who's a bit immature then. No, no, but they go, I'm, so I'm not calling you all immature, but you know, but, no, it's, 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 but you know, but, but you know, we have this, uh, and all of a sudden we began to realize that, that actually some of our, our upset and our hurt was because we had a wrong view of God. We were worshiping what we, who we thought God was rather than who God said he is. Even as a mature Christian, even as someone who can be, you know, in leadership in the life of the church, and you know, doing that, and actually, I've got this view of God where I kind of go, actually, God, I didn't think that should happen to me. I thought I deserved better. God, come on. And then I have to understand that actually, you know, God is 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 the Potter, and I'm the clay. I have to understand that actually, you, you know, if God says yes, it's yes. And if God says no, it's no. And, and who am I and what am I? You know, I don't deserve anything. And yet he pours and gives me everything. And I, yeah, I don't deserve a thing of it. That's mercy. That's grace. You, you know, if I truly understand who God is and what he has done for me. And, you know, I mean, the good news is only good news against the backdrop of bad news, isn't it, really? You think about that. You know, we talk about the good news of Jesus Christ and it's just like, yeah, you know, let Jesus into your life. You know, he'll make you feel a little bit better. You know, you know, like I got the first thing I said to Bob is what you got to do for one of those nice warm drinks that you've got. You know, he went and made me a cup of coffee. It's like, and, 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 you know, it's, it's, but, but, you know, and you get that nice little warm feeling. That's not what Jesus is about. He's not just someone to give us that nice warm cup of tea feeling. He's not like jam jar Jesus. We pull him out of our pockets, open the pot when we need him. He fixes things and we put him back again. You, you know, actually, he is a life changer. He is a life giver. And, and, and there's this moment in Jesus' life where he's been teaching and he's been trying to explain to the Jews who he is. He's been talking, he's been referencing Elijah and Elisha. He's talking about, you know, all of these things that the Jews understood. And he's talking about Old Testament stuff. And, 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 and then it says, you know, he, he, he teaches them, you know, there's this Sermon on the Mount, which was actually for the Christians. So often we, we, we this is where we've got to be careful, you know, we, we think, you know, healing is, is for the church. And we think that, you know, that the, that the Sermon on the Mount is for the world. You know, they need to learn how to live better. And actually, but we'll take the healing that God gives. Actually, it's interesting. Jesus sat down with the disciples. The Sermon on the Mount was for the disciples. And the healing was for out there. And, and how we can turn it on its head sometimes. It, 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 you know, so please, I'm not saying healing isn't for us. But we need to understand that actually often we can look out there and say, oh, they shouldn't be doing that. They shouldn't be doing this. And you kind of go, well, they, they don't know Jesus. I mean, I mean they don't know any better. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's Gentile thinking. 
And, and, and Jesus, he, 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 it says here in, in chapter 7, verse 1, he says, when he had completed all his discourse in the hearing of the people, he went to Capernaum. And a certain centurion slave who was highly regarded by him um, was sick and about to die. And when he heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders asking him to come and save the life of his slave. And when they had come to Jesus, they earnestly entreated him, saying, he is worthy for you to grant this to him. That's interesting, isn't it? You know, actually, Jesus, this one deserves your healing. For he loves our nation, and it was he who built us our synagogue. Now, Jesus started on his way with them, and when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself further, for I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. For this reason, I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. The Jews here thought he was worthy. The centurion didn't think he was worthy enough. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled at him and turned and said to the multitude that was following him, I say to you, not even in Israel have I found such great faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. Faith is an interesting thing, because he, he talks about faith. We're going to talk about authority in a moment. But, but, but you know, faith is an interesting thing, because actually our faith grows in direct proportion to, to the relationship and the understanding that we have of the object of our faith. So what that means is, is, is saying that actually your faith will grow if, if, if we are Christians and we want our faith in God to grow, then actually it will grow in direct proportion to our understanding and our relationship with God. Do you see? So actually the more I know about God, the more my faith will grow. The more I know God, the more my faith will grow. You know, we say, God, please give us faith like he's just going to magic it to us. And all of a sudden, we're going to have this amazing faith without putting any work into the relationship. And that's a challenge for us. Because actually, we find that our faith grows and our faith grows. And, and, and all of a sudden, you've got this centurion who's a Gentile centurion. He's, you know, so he's a Gentile. He's not a Jew. And it's the Jewish elders who are, who are coming and saying, he deserves this gift. He's a Gentile, but he deserves this. Why? Because he's done great things for us. He blesses us. He's built our synagogue for us. This was a guy who probably commanded about 100 people. Um, you know, he would have been looking after the town on behalf of Caesar. He would have been re represented. But actually, to keep the Jews happy, he was doing good things for them. But he seemed like a good man. And, and Jesus has been teaching and demonstrating and teaching and demonstrating to these Jews and, and they don't get it. And, and so all of a sudden you've got this story and he's paralleled his life with, 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 you know, he's paralleled some of these things that are going on. He said, look, do you remember the prophets of old, Elijah and Elisha? And I don't know if you ever remember the story back in, in, in Kings, um, you know, you've got in 2 Kings chapter 5, the story of Naaman. Um, the story of Naaman who was healed of leprosy. Some of you might know that story. It's in 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 onwards, if, if you want to look it up. And, and, and Jesus has been talking about these parallels, and all of a sudden, we see this centurion coming along, and he's well-respected, and he's a Gentile officer. 2 Kings chapter 5. Naaman was a, was a well-respected Gentile officer. In Luke chapter 7, verses 3 to 5, we see that, the, you know, you know, that, that actually the Jewish elders are now beginning to intercede. They're acting on behalf. They're saying, look, we'll go to this Jesus because we love this centurion. We want to see his servant well because he's good to us. So off they go to intercede. Um, we see that actually in, in, in 2 Kings chapter 5, there's actually a Jewish girl who goes to intercede. So she goes to go and speak to the man of God. In Luke chapter 7, the centurion never gets to meet Jesus. 
The healing happens, but the centurion never meets Jesus. In 2 Kings chapter 5, Naaman never meets Elisha. In Luke chapter 7, the healing takes place at a distance. And in 2 Kings chapter 5, the healing takes place at a distance. We see God at work in the old cover, under the old covenant and the new. And, and, and the centurion, he bases um, it, 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 you know, his, his reasoning um, you know, on, on, on saying, because you know, the Jews are basing their reasoning on, on actually um, you know, the healing is because of their worthiness. The centurion says, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. I'm not worthy because I know who you are and I recognize that you are one under authority. I, I dare not have you come under my roof. I don't need to have you come under my roof. I know who you are. And this is the message that Jesus has been communicating all along. All along, you know, the Jews thought they had this right, this kind of almost this God-given right to exclusivity with God, where actually God was saying, actually, I've come for all mankind. He said, Jews first, Gentiles next. And we know that. We know the gospel went Jews first, Gentiles next. But actually, here's Jesus already operating and blessing a Gentile, someone who's outside of the fold, outside of the clan, and he's just blessing them. Not because they deserve it, but because he's gracious, because he's loving, because he's kind, and because he can. And Jesus says, I've never seen faith like this because the centurion talks about authority. And authority is not a pleasant word these days. We, don't, you know, we, have a, we have a distrust of authority, don't we? At best. Hands up if you're a fan of Boris Johnson. No, no, let's not go there. But, you know, but, 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 but seriously, you, you know, it, it's just like, actually, we have this distrust of authority. We love to see people raised up and put on a pedestal in order that we can pull them down. Is that not what we do? Yeah, we're, we're right behind them till the moment that everybody's going for them. And then we pull them down. And then we can pull some people down, and because they're then good at pulling the next person down, we become their supporters again. Dominic Cummings. You know? Nobody likes him. Now everybody loves him again. Why? Because he's good at pulling the other guys down. Do, do, do you see what I'm saying? And, and, and this, uh, we don't like authority. And yet the centurion says, you know, actually, I'm a man under authority. I get authority. And actually, God, you have authority. And understanding authority and being under authority was linked to faith. And the word authority basically means the power or right to give orders, make decisions, and enforce obedience. Do we like that as Christians? No. You know, I mean, you know, so actually, God has the right to give orders. You know, we love God. We love loving God coming into our lives when we want him to fix stuff. But God has the right to give orders. God has the right to make decisions over your life. And God also has the right to enforce obedience. Ooh, I don't like that. We talked about scaffolding going up on our, on our house. It's not our house. We rent it. We've always rented because God said to us right in the very beginning when we got saved at our baptisms, he, 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 he said, I want you to rent and not to buy because I want you to stay free for me. 
And then one day we're down in Dover, involved in a church plant, and and uh, and uh, I, I, I've, I've been invited to go up to Staffordshire to um, to do another year of training within the church, and, uh, and and we knew it was right, we knew it was of God, and we're renting this house, and you know what happens when a rental agreement comes up, you you either sign it or you don't, and we had to say no, we couldn't sign for an, uh, another year because we couldn't afford to pay for two houses, and we knew we were going to Stafford, no house, no money, we were on uh, you know volunteers' wages. Um, you know, etc., etc. Well, we had a, we had a young child. So Thea had been born. Um, Pam goes and stays with Ben and Michelle. Do you remember Ben and Michelle? You know who were. Um, you know, it, uh, uh, she goes and stays with them. I get on a train and I pootle up to Staffordshire to go and look for a house. I have no house, no home, because God had said we were to rent and not buy. So we had to be available for Him. And I rock up to Staffordshire. I've got no money in my pocket, but I'm still walking faithfully around the town of Stafford. And I'm looking in the windows of all these kind of, you know, these letting agents. I'm thinking it's way out of our price range or I couldn't afford it or there's just nothing available. And I'm there. And that night I sit down with Howard, who's the pastor of the church we were going to go and get, 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 get join and plant out from. And, and I'm sat there and he said, I can't believe, he said, you've just literally got on a train and turned up in Stafford. He said, with no home, whilst your wife and your kid are waiting for you to send for them. And I said, but God has said, I have to do it. And he said, well, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. I can't afford the houses and, and, and there's nothing available, you know, kind of, you know, for free or, or, or cheap anyway, you know. And we're just sitting down for dinner at which point a member from their church pops his head in, just pops his head in through the door and he says, hi, Howard. Just a quick thing to say, he said. He said, I'm just running around a couple of the churches just to say, he said, do you remember Dr. So-and-so and his wife, Dr. So-and-so? I can't even remember their names. Um, you know, he said, they were over in Africa. He said, on mission at the moment. Well, they've decided to stay at least another six months, so they want to let their house out. Do you know any Christians? They only want Christians. Do you know anyone that wants to rent a house? Um, or if you can put an advert out just to find someone, it, then we're going to do it just to cover the mortgage, um, and that'll be it. We wound up with a three-bedroom house, £300 a month, um, semi-detached, front, back garden, driveway, garage, the whole lot. Beautiful. God had sorted it. And, and, and Howard just sat there and he said, well, I don't believe that. And I'm just like, well, <laughs> no, I, mean, I do. Why? Because actually, when I submit to the authority of God, when I submit to the will of God, I am actually in the best place for me. Because even though God has the right and the power to enforce decisions in our lives, actually they'll always be for our benefit. They will always be the best for us. We may not understand. We might go through storms. We might go through turmoil. But do you know what? God has your very best at heart. But we won't bow the knee to him sometimes. We won't submit because actually we think we know best. And we need to have an understanding of just what it means when God says, I have authority. So Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20, probably, you know, as we know, you know, Jesus said, you know, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go. And he says, all authority has been given to him. Now we'll tackle the being given to him tomorrow. So we'll look at how was it that Jesus actually was given authority if he was already God. We'll look at that tomorrow because that then is important for us to understand how we get given authority. Because my heart for us when we go from this place is actually we go out understanding maybe just a little bit more of the authority of God and we go out in the authority of God knowing that we can speak into situations and they can change. I am sick and tired of this nation just where the Christian voice is so quiet. Are you not fed up with it? You know, and actually, do you know what? You and I have a voice. Do you know what? This coming weekend, this next weekend, there are jubilee parties going on all over the place and people are opening their households. Do you know where Jesus would be? He'd be at one of those parties. 
He would be sitting and he would be spending time. And do you know what? We're going to do it. We're going to go and be with our neighbours and we're going to go and spend time with them. Why? Because I'm called to be a witness. And I'm not going to be able to witness to people and reach out to people if I'm not with them. But when I'm sat there, the greatest authority in that room is still God. And if I'm under him, then actually I have a voice and I have authority in that room. Do, do you see? So often we sit in the room and we're like the little quiet mice in the corner. And it's just like, well, actually, you know, I can't dare say anything because, you know, what we're doing. It doesn't matter because God's in charge of it all anyway. So when he says all authority in heaven and earth, let's just take a little bit of a look. Is that okay if you will indulge me? We're going to spend a little bit of time just understanding what it means when Jesus says, I have all authority in heaven and on earth. Okay, then we're going to spend some time praying. This usually, I, I, I've been known to overrun by about two hours. So, but lunch is, is that right? No, 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 I'm joking. I'm joking. I, I really, I've got it down to about an hour and a quarter now. It's pretty good, but there you go. I'm going to, I'm going to mention scriptures, but for the sake of time, please, you know, if you want to look them up, please do. Um, and if you want notes, I can give you notes on this as well. Jesus, or God says of Jesus, all authority in heaven and earth is all authority in heaven. What is heaven? Well, first and foremost, it's the throne room of heaven itself. God is talked about in, in Daniel 7. It's the, it's the only chapter we actually get this reference three times. It, it appears in Daniel chapter 7 about the ancient of days. You don't get it anywhere else in scripture, but yet two of them are talking of the fatherhood of God. One of them is talking about Jesus Christ himself, the ancient of days. It talks about him being seated on a throne. It talks about actually all worship. Read Revelation. I mean, I mean Revelation, I haven't got a scripture reference for you. You just need to read the book if you want to see what the throne room of heaven looks like because you know, any one verse will do, give you a glimpse, but it won't tell you all of it. But you read Revelation, you get this picture that actually there, that there are all sorts of things flying around. There's all sorts of things I don't understand. There's things covered in eyes and wings and you, you know, enjoy it. And, you know, there's things happening. And there's, but actually, but, but here's the thing. Everything in heaven is worshipping Jesus. Everything in heaven is bowing to the one who sat at the right hand of the Father on the throne. Everything. There isn't anything that is outside of that. Heaven looks to Jesus and worships him. So we, we, we see these moments, you know, that the scripture in, in Revelation chapter 4 where the 24 elders come and, and, you know, and they lay their crowns at the feet of Jesus saying, worthy, worthy, worthy. The crown that would signify all that they, because they would have been given, the, the crown signified the kingship, it signified um, you know, the authority that they had been given, they give it back to Jesus because they recognise the authority that they had and been given to them by him in the first place. So when we come to worship, we bring ourselves I remember one lady, she came up to me and, and, and she'd lost two members of her family and, and she, she said, I'm not really in a place just to be with people or be at church. And she rocks up one Sunday and she said, Carl, I've got nothing to bring. I've got nothing to bring to Jesus except me. And I said, that's all he's ever wanted. I know you're in a broken place now and that's what, this brokenness is what's got you here, but that's all he ever wants. You know, yes, he gifts us. Yes, he gives us things. Yes, he you know, does all sorts of things where, where we're able to kind of bring things to glorify him. But at the end of the day, he wants you. And you go, what, me? But have you seen me? Yes, he's seen you. And he loves you. <laughs> but, but, but what about when I'm like that? He loves you. What about he can cover that? He can deal with that. Why? Because, because yes, and the whole of heaven 
He's bowing before Jesus and worshipping him. And when we worship, when we, when we cry, we're joining heaven. Did, did you get that? You might feel like you're in a field in the middle of nowhere or whatever and stuff and that, you know. And, and you're, but actually, you're joining with heaven, all of the voices in heaven. You're singing with them to worship Jesus who sat on the throne. In heaven means the entire heavenly realm. And, 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 and that means over all sorts of things. That means that Jesus is in authority over demons. Have you noticed that whenever Jesus seemed to walk around, demons fled? Do you know, so, you know, I get frustrated because I think, you know, either all the demons have, have, have emigrated somewhere and they just don't exist in the UK anymore, or we've got our understanding of this completely wrong. Because the Jews never went, what was that that came out of those guys and went into the pigs? They just went, you put demons in our pigs, leave. <laughs> Do you see, they didn't have an issue with the demons, they had an issue with the pig problem. Which is interesting because they're Jewish. I don't know why they were pig farmers anyway. But you know, have you thought about that? Anyway, never mind. Um, so, so, but yeah, you know, um, but 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 you know, so because so, they certainly didn't eat them, did they? I mean, sorry, I, I shouldn't. But you know, just like you see, you've had bacon butties this morning. Someone was telling me about it, and I'm just thinking, but yeah, you, you know, but, but you know, but you think about it. You know, you've got these, you, you've got these guys. They had no problem with demons, so, so they understood demons. They understood there was a spiritual realm. They understood this, and and and, and guys, that's around us. It is there. Now, please, it doesn't mean the devil's in the cornflakes. It doesn't mean, you know, if, you, if your cornflake bowl falls on the floor, the Satan's pushed it off the table or whatever and stuff. It's not how it works. So people go one way or the other. I remember talking to a guy from Africa, and his problem was the other problem. He said, I never went to church. He said, even if I had a cold. I said, why? Because by the time I got through the door, if I sneezed once, he said, seven people would have approached me to try and cast the thing out. And he's going, I had a cold. And you're thinking, okay, but over here, he said, he said, he said, I haven't seen a demon. He said, he said, but I'm pretty sure they exist, don't they? You know, just, and so he said, yeah, and you kind of go, you go like, well, what do we want? Do we want African culture? Do we want Western culture? No, we want biblical culture. Is that not what we want? We, we, we want the culture of scripture where Jesus walked around and he was in the authority. So actually, as I start to step out more in the authority of God, I can expect to see resistance. I can expect to see things flare up. Sometimes people say, I don't know why that person at work doesn't like me. And I'll say, actually, is it irrational? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it might actually be a spiritual conflict there. You know? But because we're not trained to recognise it, we just think, oh, and we take it personally. Oh, they don't like me. Oh, you know, they're, they're picking on me. No, there's a spiritual thing going on. They don't understand it, but you jolly well should because you've got the word of God to help you understand what's going on in those types of situations. Did, did you see? So I don't like, make that person my enemy. I pray for them. I say, actually, if there really is something going on in them, I want to see them set free. Do you not? We're very good, and, and, and you know, I, just, I, 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 I say it as I see it. I, I, I just, you know, we're very good because I do this with my neighbours sometimes. When you know, you know, actually, there are some neighbours I, I want to see in glory, <laughs> and there are some neighbours I'm not so bothered about. <laughs> you know, can, can, can we not be like that sometimes in the workplace? In the supermarket, the person that steals our parking space, do we actually want to go and share the gospel with them? What if God then says, you know, and this is like, I was listening to this great thing online, this guy was talking about vision, and he was saying, you know, if you don't have a vision for the people that God has put you amongst, you'll do stupid things. 
So for instance, I'm not feeling so great about that person. I'm just going to ping a little post on Facebook. You know, now I've been muted by six people. Who knows whether actually in six weeks time, God actually was going to use you as a mouthpiece to those very people. But you've just muted it. You said no vision for them. I think, wow, have I got a vision for my neighbours? So God challenged me on this because we've got, we've got neighbours who've got ducks and chickens and a cockerel. You can imagine how noisy that gets. And they keep escaping into our garden. And our dog likes chickens, ducks and cockerels. So I then can't let the dog out whilst they go looking for these things that jolly well shouldn't be in my garden and shouldn't be making noise at all hours of the day or whatever and stuff and that. And it became very frustrating. And I had a chat with him. And in the end, I said, this is getting a bit out of hand. You know, and, 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 and he looked embarrassed, and, and I just felt my heart just kind of soften for him. And I thought, actually, I, I've, I've, I've seen him as the chicken monster sort of thing. You know, he's just like, you know, it's like, something. And, and I'm there, and I'm just like, and then there was a knock on the door yesterday, and it was just like, you know, oh, we've got a chicken in your garden, or a duck in your garden, can we come and get it? And my first thing was, again. I thought, no, I'm going to go out. So we went out, and, and I said, look, actually, I said, you know, I, I bought some fencing, and, uh, and, and, you know, the landlord's happy, and I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to re-fence if you're happy, and put some new kickboards in, and let's see if we can't solve the problem and, and help that out and do that, and what they're doing. And she said, well, can we have your old fence panels to kind of keep the chickens safe whilst you're doing that? And I'm thinking, oh, I don't want to keep them safe, you know, but, but anyway, um, you know, but, but, you know, um, you, you know, I wanted access, you know, no, no, uh, but, you know, and like, oh, the fox did that, no, no, the, um, but, you know, but, but seriously, and it's like, but actually, I found as I'm talking, you know, actually, you do, she loves these animals, she loves these birds, and, 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 and you know, am I really going to be so, you know, off, uh, and I'm going to put a barrier up that I will never get be in a position to share the gospel with her because I don't like the cockerel crowing at six in the morning. Is that really what it's going to take for me to not tell someone about the love of Jesus? Do, do, do you see? That's a challenge for us because we're human. <laughs> I'm human. I'm just, I'm just, I make these mistakes. I do these stupid things. But, but I need to understand that, that actually sometimes when that person's not being kind to me or not being nice to me, there could be something demonic going on. And that means they need to be set free. Because then they, they will be in their right mind, sat there fully clothed. As we see when Jesus walks around, there was one guy, and bless him, he was throwing himself on the ground and he would have these fits and he would try and harm himself and hurt himself. That's what the demon was doing to him and no one could do anything about it. And they implored Jesus. Well, they implored the disciples first who'd just been sent out. They said, please, 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 you know, can you come? Can you heal him? I mean, who wouldn't? Imagine one of the young kids here just throwing themselves down continually because actually of demonic oppression. Your heart would break. And Jesus, full of compassion, he, he, he commands the demon to go. Why? Because he's got authority over it. So guys, whatever's going on in terms of spiritual battles in your life, do you know what? Jesus has authority over it. You know he has authority not just over the demons but over Satan himself. Job's an interesting book. It's a very helpful book to get through, if, if, particularly if you want a good theology and understanding of suffering, that Christians do suffer. We do suffer. We do go through hardships. But how do we walk through that? That's really important. And we see, and we don't understand it sometimes, you know, that actually Satan had to come and ask God for permission to do things. We see that actually Satan is a defeated enemy. He might be kicking and screaming the way there may be a few skirmishes along the way. But do you know what? The war is already won. We don't always live like that. We look at the one and go, oh, it's getting a darker place. And oh, where's God in all of this? Well, God is still seated on his throne above it all. 
That's where God is. And God can be involved in day to day, you know, and, 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 you know, and so, so he's there. And, and so you've got this throne of heaven. He's in authority over Satan. He's in authority over demons. And do you know what? It says all the angels worship him. Angels. Do you know what? Angels, actually, I, I didn't realize it until I was reading, in my reading this morning, actually. So it's quite timely. I'm reading this morning in, 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 in Matthew. When Jesus is talking about, you know, the sifting, you know, where the parable of the weeds, um, you know, they get sown in the field. And, and he says, look, let's get it all together and we'll separate it when it's all grown. And he says, actually, it'll be the angels that will be sifting. It'll be the angels having the job of pulling the good from the bad. It's the angels that will be doing it. He'll be, Jesus is the ultimate judge, but it's the angels that will be doing that. Do you know what? They all work for Jesus. Have you ever seen an angel? Yes, fantastic. It says many would have entertained angels and will not even know about it. We were planting the church on the weald and uh, it was a very interesting first year and there were all sorts of things going on and, uh, and I was blinded by the sun and, and the sun came up and there's a tree right in front of me and I turned the car and me and the boys bumped straight in a ditch at about 45 miles an hour. We were okay. I was speaking in Ashford in the morning. I was meant to be speaking on the wheel in the afternoon. So I was just dashing back for a spot of lunch or, you know, a spot of tea um, before we went off again. Uh, and here we are now in this ditch. And it's, it's like it's in the middle of nowhere. There's, there's just nothing. It's just like we were two miles away from the next main road. We're, we're in this ditch. I get the boys out of the car. I make sure they're okay. We're on this bend. It's blind. It's fast. It's, you know, all this sort of stuff. We think, well, if something comes around the corner, we're going to have a problem. But, you know, I've got no signal on my phone. Um, so I'm going to have to, uh, what do we do? We're stuck. And, and all of a sudden, uh, I said to the boys, I said, you know, if I could just get an AA van out here, then, uh, you know, that would help. As I said that, this yellow van comes driving. You ask the boys, this yellow van comes driving around the corner. It's a bit banged up. It doesn't say AA on the side. It just looks like a man in a van. And a bloke pulls up and he looks out and he says, Oh, look like you've got a problem. And he just this big, rough and ready guy. And he's just like, he says, Can I help? And he says, Right. He says to my boys, Right, you stand there, you stand there, you stand there. You'll be seen. That'll be all right. He said, Just make sure no cars are coming. And he said, And they opened up the back of his car. He said, Let's get you out. In the whole back of his van, he had one thing, a piece of tow rope. Who carries just one piece of tow rope in a great big yellow van that looks like an AA van? He sticks the rope on the back of my car. He pulls it out of the ditch. Water's pouring out of the front of the car. It's not starting. It's not going anywhere. It's just like he looks banged up. He puts his hands on the bonnet of the car. He looks at me and he says, how far are you going? And I said, we've got to go to Biddenden. It's about two and a bit miles away. He said, right, he said, you get in it, you start it, you take it home, you drive it no further. Gets in his van and he goes. I start the car, it's never sounded as good. I drive the car home. I park the car. Get out of the car. Look underneath the car. Things are hanging off. It's scrapped. It never started again. We call a scrap guy to pick it up. He picks it up with one of these claws. He said, how did you get it here? I said, we drove it. He said, no, he said, I'm, not, I, I'm not joking. He said, how did you honestly get it here? I said, we drove it. He said, you wouldn't have driven this car. He said, look, he said, your whole sump's ripped out. He said, this is a, he said, the bottom of the car, he said, you could not have driven this car. Now tell me angels don't exist. And it says, the Lord is in authority over all of those things. I can be stuck in a ditch, feeling desperate and alone. With my boys in the car, not knowing how to get home. And all of a sudden, God sends someone. Not only is he 
the all authority in heaven, but he's all authority on earth. We'll just run through this quickly. That means he's Lord of creation. He has authority over all creation. Have you ever looked at the stars at night? And, 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 and you know, the other night we went out and watched the. Um, we managed to get the eclipse of the moon. It was it was it was too low and too light to actually get the red colour, but we actually watched it disappear, which was pretty cool. So you know, so that was like we we watched that, and you think God created that. Not only that, God didn't just create it, but He spoke it into being. He was just like there was nothing, and He just went, "Let there be light." There was light. Have you ever done that yourself? Yeah, you know, there's those <laughs> lights that you get, isn't there? I like the fact that we've got those that you can do with Alexa now. I bought one of those light bulbs just to impress everyone. Put it in the back. I can control it from my phone. It's pretty cool, isn't it? So I put it, I put it in random people's bedrooms when they're not noticing, and I just turn the light off, um, you know, and I'll have a bit of like, oh, will you stop doing that? You know, she's like, but it's so funny, it's so cool. I can turn your light off from downstairs. Yeah, Dad. Just grow up, you know. But but you know. But but it's like, you know, but but it talks about God created um, uh, everything, and not only did He create it, but then we read in Hebrews chapter one, verse three, Colossians one seventeen, that He just continually sustains it. Do you know? God is continually sustaining creation. It says that He knows when every little thing dies and falls. That means, as we've been here this morning, there is no doubt being a sparrow that's fallen somewhere in the world. Probably quite a few. God hasn't missed a single thing. He knows it all. He's right here with us, but he knows what's going on in Africa. He knows what's going on in Asia. He knows, and he's involved in sustaining it all. And we say, can God help me in my situation? You see, sometimes we worry about God helping us in that little situation. We, we don't know, but he's got the perspective of the whole world. And he's saying, well, I'm sustaining this and holding that together. And, and it says that not only that, but he governs creation. Matthew 10, verse 29, Luke 8, verse 25. So you've got God here you've got, who's not only made it and not only sustaining it, but he governs it. He's in control of it all. And we see absolutely fantastic examples of that. You know, you look at the moment where Jesus calms the storm. Have you ever done that? I've tried it. Just so I took a youth group down. We went down to Carsington Water, and when we were up in the Peak District, and we were there, and it was a, I waited for a really wet and stormy day. And I took them out, and we drove there, and we got out of the cars, and we were soaking wet. We could hardly hear one another, and we, we go. There's a little like spit of land. And you walk up in the middle of it. I said, "Right, come on, guys, we're going to stop the storm." And we're all yelling at this storm. We're going, "Be quiet!" As Jesus had said, "Be quiet!" And it didn't stop. Because he's not a performing monkey, is he, Jesus? You know, he's not just going to do things just because he did it. But, but actually, but it was just to make a point. Sometimes when we talk about Jesus calming the storm, we go, oh, you know, the waves are a little bit, you know, and he just calmed the storm. You know, if you've ever stood at the sea in a storm and then and, and announced that you can't even hear the person next to you, and Jesus yells at it and everything went calm. That's the authority that he has. He say, where is Jesus in the midst of the storm? He's right next to you. And at any moment, he could say, stop. And it could stop. Why is he sleeping? Because he said, I'm going to the other side. And he hasn't, he hasn't got any fears about the storm. If Jesus says we're going to the other side, we're going to the other side. Why? Because he's in control. We've already looked at that. So when he says to you, let's get in the boat and go to the other side, he was going. Why did they have little faith? Because he said, we're going to the other side. Didn't matter if a storm came up. The storm could have got worse and worse and worse. Jesus has said, we're going to the other side. So they were going to get there. He was sound asleep. 
And sometimes we go, Jesus, where are you in the midst of my storm? I don't understand where you are. Well, actually, it feels like he's asleep. It's because he's already said, go. I went to Stafford to look for a house. I had no house. We had nothing to do with no money and whatever in the midst of that storm. But Jesus said, go. We went. He's with me. All of a sudden, there's that wake up moment. Ah, we've got a house. Would you like a house? You know? Now, no, the, the timing of that, we go, oh, what a wonderful coincidence. No coincidence. God knew that from the beginning of time. That's what I, I had to try and get my head around. God knew that. There would be that moment in Carl's timeline where actually he was going to go from Dover to Stafford and get amazed that night because I'm going to bring this guy in and he's going to get that house and he's going to be telling that story for a long time. God knew it. And God knows your situation too. Not only does God have authority over creation, he has authority over rulers and history. Daniel 2, um, uh, you know, Daniel, just a fantastic book on the whole thing, 221, 417, 4 verse 30. Jesus is in authority over all rulers and all of history. Do you know what? Who's in charge of this nation? I'll tell you what, it's not Boris Johnson. He might be elected and under God, he might be, and I say under God because God allows them. And God also deposes the proud. God can also remove them. He says there's nothing new under the sun. You know, I remember one, my kids, a couple of months ago, they're going, oh man, we're really in fear of, you know, Russia and, and, and a nuclear war and everything. And I, remember, I think, I remember the same fears when I was a kid, when there was, there was and I think it's, it's like it all going around again. And I think of scripture, there's nothing new under the sun. People come and people go. You know, bad things come and pe- bad things go. Good things come and good things go. But whatever, God is in control of the whole thing. It will not end until God says it's time to end. And at that point, I'll be in glory, so I won't need to worry about it. So why am I worrying? (laughs) Do you see? If we have an understanding of the authority of God and how wonderful he is and how big he is, and I can gaze upon him and say, God, this actually, once I'm looking up here, everything down there looks so small. But the whole time I'm gazing at this bit here, I like doing videos with the, um, with the grandkids. I sit in the garden and I put my phone down at the grass so that the grass looks really big and I get them to push a monster truck and you use the slow-mo app on your phone or whatever and stuff and it goes boom, boom, boom and you show your little three-year-old grandson, look, 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 we made a film. And it's, like, you know, it's fun. But, you know, but actually the perspective is brilliant because the grass looks so big and the car looks so big and everything because of the perspective. And sometimes we are so involved in the minutiae of our lives and just say, I'm worrying about that and I'm worrying about that. Everything looks so big. And what did Jesus say? Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these other things will be taken care of. Are you focusing on his kingdom and his righteousness? Is that your number one goal? We've started challenging our church and saying, look guys, this is getting silly. Everyone that we talk to, whenever we say, what's the common answer we get? How are you? I'm busy. Almost like busyness is something to attain to. Oh, I'm really busy. I'm not getting a day off. So you've broken one of the Ten Commandments. Great. Well done. Because you should be having a Sabbath day rest. Let's not celebrate breaking the commandments, eh? You know, we'd be very different if someone came up and said, yeah, brilliant. I broke into someone's house last week and managed to get a new TV. Hang on a minute. We need to have a conversation. But people come up and say, yeah, brilliant. Yes, we found out. I'm working so hard. I'm not getting a break. I'm really tired. Well done. I'm really busy too. No, no, no. Are you busy in pursuit of Jesus? Is that your busyness? Are you pursuing him with your very being? Are you chasing after him? Or are you so caught up with the things of life that actually it's wearing you down? Jesus said, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. If I get this, all these other things will be taken care of. So he's Lord of rulers and history. Do you know, he's Lord of disease. I don't mean he 
you know, he's he, he, you know the one that farms out lots of disease and stuff like that. What I mean is, is he's got authority over it. Job 2, verses 7 to 10. What happened there? You know, that situation with Job and that whole thing where actually God allowed it for whatever reason. But he's Lord of it. He can say yes, he can say no. Acts 10, verse 38, Exodus 4, 11, Luke 5. Just look at the stories. You know, Jesus can heal our afflictions and our diseases. Why? Because he has authority over them. Pray for the sick that don't get well. Well, that's up to God. What do I do? Do I stop praying for the sick? No, I pray for the next one. And what do I do? And then I pray for the next one. And then I pray for the next one. Why? Because I'm going to do that in faith because God says he will heal. Now, here's the thing about gifts. Just, while, just, just, just as a quick aside. When God gives a gift of healing, the gift isn't for you. It's for the person who's being healed. Have we, do we understand? You know, we're called to be conduits of the grace of God. So if we have a focus on God and his authority and understand we're under, under God's authority, his power can work through us. It's not that we want to catch it and go, well, look at me, I've got the, all these gifts or whatever and stuff. And that. They were never intended for you. Do you need to be well? Do you need to say, well, no, 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 but I've got this gift of healing. Great, well, give it away then. <laughs> That's why you can have people, have sick people in their family. They can be sick themselves, but they can see people get healed when they pray for them. Why? Because they're conduits of the grace of God. Because we're called to be those who are vessels of the grace of God, of the power of God, of the Spirit of God. We're under his authority, that his authority works through us. So he has authority over disease. Are we okay? How are we doing time-wise? All right? Yeah? Good? I, I'm clocking it at 11.40, so we're okay. Yeah, yeah, time for ministry. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Give, give me half an hour there. Cool. No, I'm, I'm teasing. All right. couple more things. He, he's, the authority of God is over sin and death. Whether it is sin conquered or the sinful acts of men, do you know God is in authority? Do you know that he is, he is Lord over all things? So I do not need to fear death. And there are some of us who spend our time being about our death. Don't get me wrong, if I get sick, I go to a doctor. But I'm not living in fear of that day. Paul said, you know, to live is Christ, to die is gain. You know, it's actually whilst I'm living, I enjoy Christ. When I die, I gain even more. I don't think we live like that. I've pastored people when they've got the news that they're going to be passing away. And some people have lived to the very end and some people have died before they've died. Do you know what I mean? Actually, actually, the, the, the weight of the world and the sickness weighs on them so much, they're just... They don't want to die, but they've got nothing left to do, so they're hopeless. And, and we'll look at hope and hopelessness tomorrow and how actually hopelessness is weaponized by Satan. We'll look at that tomorrow. But he's Lord of sin and death. We don't need to fear death. You know, Jesus is Lord of conversion. I don't need to worry about people being saved. God does it. I can't save a single person. God can. So actually, I'm going to pray for my neighbors, but God will save them. And I'm going to worry about it. He is Lord of, crea- of, of conversion. He's Lord of it all. So we're saying, well, why aren't people being saved? Well, okay, that's down to God. It's up to God you know, to, to do that. It's not for me to worry about. In Biddenden, if, if God said to me, find me 10 who truly worship me and I won't destroy the village of 2000. Do you know what's amazing? I probably could. In the cities where God destroyed them, they got down to two. 
These were cities that maybe were five times the size of Ashford. It puts things into perspective, doesn't it? Actually, it's not too bad. It's not as bad as the enemy would have us believe. Gee, there are people saved. There are people getting saved. It's okay. <laughs> it may not be at the rate we want, but God is Lord of it all. And Jesus is the authority of the church. Colossians 1, 17 to 18. Ephesians 5, 22, 25. So what does this mean for you and I? And then we will pray. Our God has ultimate authority. Ultimate authority. Therefore, you need not fear. You shouldn't fear death, sickness, wars, the next bill. That's important. Prices are going up. We're living in a difficult time. You know, as a church, we've never taken, well, no, we've taken one offering in our entire time. We've just trusted God. So we don't, haven't done gift days. We don't, you know, we just don't do that, apart from one. And God has just met our needs every step of the way. Don't understand it. The one gift day that we had was for a sheep to go overseas. A uh, local Muslim guy that I've been reaching out to, and he goes over to, he's, he's, he's um, Kurd, uh, Kurdish, um, uh, Turkish Kurd, and, and he said, look, you know, we're very poor, and I go over every August, and I try and bless them with a the sheep so they've got something to eat and, and everything else. And uh, so he came along one Sunday morning and he, he listened to the worship and then he applauded. He would have applauded you, George. He was like applauding at the end. He didn't know what you do. You know, it's just like he's in a church and there was a music performance, he thought. So he, yeah, he I'll get him up and introduce him and say, look, we want to send him with a bit of money to go and buy this sheep to bless this village. We raised enough money to buy a cow, which is fantastic. So four times, four sheep, basically. So we were really thankful for that. Sent, sent him over with, you know, with the money. He said, I said, all I need to keep the trustees happy is evidence that you bought the cow. I then get a video several weeks later and I just see this cow being walked out. Apologies if you're a bit squeamish. This cow being walked out into this yard and then someone killing the cow. And then as the cow's dying, he, uh, the brother's going, you can't send him this, you can't send him this. And he's going, but he wanted proof. <laughs> <laughs> the trustees to this day have never seen that video. It was haunting but he is Lord of bills, he is Lord of people, he is, how, he is Lord of all powers. Therefore, if God has ultimate authority, you and I do not need to hold back. And we need to understand that we are conduits of his mercy and power. The gifts are for others and not about me. So it would be good to pray. But I want us to pray that we get and understand. So tomorrow we're going to really, I'll spend less time speaking, more time praying. And I really want to kind of drill down into this, what does this mean for you and I? in the everyday world that we live in. But we need to have the other... We've got time today to dwell on and think about the bigness of God in your life. How big and wonderful and majestic this God is. For some of us, we've lost... And that's okay if you've lost sight of it, if you're struggling with it, and you're saying, actually, I've lost sight, because God is so gracious. I've shared stories about where we've wrestled and struggled. Why? Because I'm a human being. I'm nothing special. It's just that God's called me to do what I do, so I do it obediently. You're no different to me. You know, Elijah was a man just like us. God can work through you. And some of you have stopped believing that. Some of you have sat there and going, well, actually, I'm not good enough. Well, that's a lie of the enemy. Some of you had lies spoken over to you, even when you were younger, and just saying, you'll never amount to anything. You'll never be anything. That's rubbish. God is the one who's in authority, not that person. 
And God wants to cast that off some people today. So it's okay if we, we play. Am I okay just praying for a few people and, and, and going? Is that right, Steve? Yeah, so cool. Can we stand?